Hello, and welcome back to Because We Can't Go on a Trip, a mini-series by The Hope Venture. I'm your host, Ben. And I'm Caleb. This is a podcast where, because we can't be in Kenya right now, we are reliving the stories that we normally experience while being there, and we're learning from each other anew. And today on the podcast, we have a very, very special guest, because it is my sister-in-law, Victoria Peterson, on the podcast. Hello. (laughs) Thank you for joining us thanks for having me i'm nervous <laughs> but i'm excited welcome to the hope venture studio aka your office <laughs> my office that you kicked me out of road yeah so we're so glad that you were able to get out of bed today and join us <laughs> was that nice just to you gotta like prepare yourself you didn't have to go anywhere yeah i didn't brush my teeth so Perfect. no one can smell it no the mics. yeah we'll clean we'll sanitize i think we should do a cheers before we start oh this episode gosh. we we all have uh iced coffee in wine iced glasses. lattes in, in wine glasses it, yeah, so it's, it's an exquisite bougie. morning Ooh, <laughs> just like we would in kenya yeah <laughs> just kidding <laughs> we would not have lattes oh you guys i'm just excited to hang out with you yeah hey us too <laughs> it's been so fun just to be able to chat with people and hang out and especially like people that i mean we talked to blake and simon and um, Skyler and Simon. Skyler and Simon. Blake wasn't there. RIP Blake. But it was just <laughs> nice to. I hadn't seen them since since yeah. our last trip meeting because the trip meetings got canceled. So it's like, dang, that's really nice just to see you guys and hang out. So it's nice to see. I haven't hung out with you probably honestly since then either. So <sighs> well, it's great. Hi. Hi. Um, what should we ask first? What should we talk about, Caleb? Well, I mean, I think we should probably. There's so many things that we could probably talk about but mm-hmm. uh at least we should talk about like w- what is your experience in kenya and yeah like what have you done in kenya how how many times have you gone just a brief little yeah for sure okay well i'm gonna have to count so first year we mm-hmm. went was a month after we got married josh and i so that was 2016 so josh is the josh that josh produces the, this yes the producer <laughs> the lovely producer so 2016 2017 2018 2019 so this would have been our fifth year going which is kind of wild it's so a lot of years the camp in was it that like if i'm remem- remembering this correctly i know that the there was a like a retreat a gathering for the students mm-hmm. like be- f- since the student sponsorship project started which was Correct. like in 2011 i think but the first was the first like inaugural Hope Venture camp where it was like a summer camp. Was that when you guys? I believe that was 2017. So that was like the second year that we led. Because the first year we went, um, we kind of were doing it the same way. But then we had this vision. As we started having more students, we were like, what if we could make this legit? Like, what <laughs> if we could make this into a camp? And it was around the same time where we had friends um, using their summers to go to like Pine Cove or Canicook, and we were hearing all these stories. Um, and it just seemed so on brand with who the Hope Venture was to do mm-hmm. like some crazy big fun camp thing with like mm-hmm. teams and chants and dance parties and bonfires. Like it felt, it was just a really easy transition. I felt like as we were growing to enter into that and it felt like a cool, I don't want to say like recruitment tool, but like to express this, to, it, that's a really relatable thing um, to tell someone here like, hey, we're going to go put on a camp for students in Kenya as opposed to like something that they don't really know mm. what that looks like. We can all visualize it because a lot yeah. of us went to camp growing yeah. up. So. Also because in like like 
taking a trip to India last year for me and also going to Kenya, like comparing those two trips, like so Kenya, different, so different, like culture country wise, but also like what the Hope Venture does in both those places is Absolutely. very different. And like going to Kenya, it's easy to take a team to because there's like a set goal and like we're at one place with the same people for one week and you get a rhythm like every day kind of the structure is pretty similar even though you maybe do different activities just like camp you know there's always a devo in the morning then there's a session number one and then there's lunch you know it we have that rhythm um I mean, just because we have to. Um, and that's, yeah, so different than India in, in a really beautiful way. I feel like it creates mm. some really cool dynamics. Um, India is so great, but for just really different reasons. Mm. And I feel like that's one of my favorite things about Kenya is mm-hmm. that you can just be really present because you're tra- you're doing all the like stressful traveling stuff like there and then you're just there and you're yeah. just going to be there. And I feel like that's been a really hard thing mm. in some ways. So it's also been like a really beautiful thing in others. I feel like you actually like get to like step outside of your like living quarters wherever and then just like feel the weather kind of relax in the morning like in india or in when the hope venture is like visiting their projects it's typically like we have a full itinerary jam-packed with all these different locations and sites that we have to go visit and we're piling in a van or in some taxi and we're shuffling around pretty non-stop and just like it's it's go 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 whereas in Kenya it's sometimes you can just like sit and yeah. have some quiet restful conversations or slower moments mm. which just, is India's cool because you get to see so many places but in Kenya I feel like to build deep in like lasting relationships with people and with students like to get to just be together like that time like no one opens up on the first day you know it's never mm-hmm. i mean think of summer camp when you're little like mm-hmm you make friends with with your cabin mates at night or you know when you're running back and forth between activities like it's the time that i think builds that that connection and that's what i think is super cool about mm. about the camp setup of yeah. kenya i feel like it's also cool that like the the camp provides like a different like missions trip kind of experience like whereas i feel like normally for a missions trip you're going over and you're or at least I've in the past like wondered like why am I here mm-hmm. or like what what are we actually doing? But being a counselor at a camp, it just like kind of fits more naturally or like you know you have a role, yeah. you know like what you're doing. So totally, I feel like there's, I feel like it was a good idea to to do a camp. I think that was all, Josh. Really? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I think. Well, kudos, Josh. That's a good idea. So that wasn't like the initial. Initially, you guys were going with a team. Was it more? Was the service project more of the more of the goal, or it was it was checking in on the project? It was checking in on student sponsorship, but I guess like, what was that even? Why was there a need to take a team in the first place? I think it was similar in that we were trying to build relationships with students, and there still would have been too many students for like two of us to, you know, to to spend t- significant amount of time with. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm trying to remember how the service project worked the first year because that was did a playground do? no did you is that the second year they kind of blur together i feel like the first year we went was kind of i mean since starting all of this like it was all on her it was all on her plate and i think part of us going was she wanted to be able to hand something off mm-hmm. to us and so we went together kind of looking at and brainstorming together like what could this look like mm. um and i think i think just like anything 
the whole venture related everything on paper just looks so much different and then you get there and you meet the people Mm -hmm. and you and you see it firsthand and it's like no these are like real kids like these are real like they want to run around and play soccer and race each other and Mm -hmm. eat s'mores and and i think once we got there and realized this is so much more than just like checking in on how they're doing like we want to build an experience where we can like really not only get to know them as like project recipients but as people Mm -hmm. and like how do we create an experience that a fulfills our needs as like we need to get this information we need to make sure everything's going smoothly but also like adding value to to them like what do they need maybe they need a break from from school or you know Mm -hmm. from the hardships that they're facing maybe they need community and so i think it was all those things together and just as it grew i felt like we needed a team more mm-hmm. and our first i'm trying to remember how many people were on our first team i feel like it was like seven it was pretty small mm-hmm. compared to like the 22 or 25 yeah. we were supposed yeah. to take this year because it was like you josh danny ellie elizabeth Hannah, elizabeth aaron did you say heather i did not say heather heather and, and hunter yeah, ten. Yeah. So ten, yeah. Wow. Still, always, still oh. really tiny. Yeah. <laughs> a lot, funny. a lot of traveling with that size initially versus last. I mean, two years ago, trying to travel with eighteen to twenty people, twenty plus people. Just what's incredible about all those names you just listed is every single one of them came back for a at second, some point, at least a second time. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that speaks so loudly of like so highly, I guess of. Of that trip and the mm-hmm. people and the experience there. Mm. That's wild. And they were that like of, never happens. A piece of like growing it and a yeah. piece of like a lot of them seeing the change over the years and yeah, from humble beginnings. And I think you make a good point. Like I think some trips, missions trips you go on, like you kind of feel like what, am I adding value? Yeah. Is this for me or is this for them? And I think mm. all of those people would say like it was a mutual thing. Like they felt mm. like they were adding value and they were building relationships that mattered. But I also think they all of those people have grown so much since then not not only because of that but mm-hmm. i think this is has shaped their worlds and what they want to do a little bit mm. um which is super cool i also think like one of the reasons i feel like the trip like you can tell that it makes a difference is because the hope venture has been so like grassroots and like so sm- we were a small organization so like you show up the first year in 2016 and there's 20 students and now there's a hundred and 70 students and like the difference between these like the four years is like Mm. i mean there's so many more students now but like you like you actually are a part of changing the organization you see it actually happening in front of you and like you going and the team going you you realize pretty quickly like oh like this isn't just some like nonprofit that i like can see on instagram like these are this is like something i can get involved with Mm. see and like impact and see my like work do something mm-hmm. in the long run tell people about it when you come home yeah. and yeah so i feel like and you know the people yeah when you know the people like to to be able to come home and like i feel like i met so many people that first year that sponsored students that i i mean i didn't know until we got there that they were sponsoring students mm. and i got to come home and say janice kudre I met your sponsor student. Yeah. He's yeah. awesome. <laughs> and like get to like gush about all these stories of our sponsor student. And mm. I just feel like that we get to be this like bridge between 
something that feels so intangible mm-hmm. for some people like yeah. it's hard for them to my mom tells me all the time tell me about uganda i don't understand what it would be like to live the life of my sponsor student yeah christine like to get to be like i've literally been there to get her photo and be like oh this is wakisa let mm-hmm. me like draw a map of what it looks like there like to be that bridge to help people understand like a the need but be the process and i don't know it's just like a really it's a really unique opportunity to like like I, I think we think we need to be so equipped mm-hmm. to like do things like this and i just feel like by being willing the the experience itself equips us to be part of something huge mm-hmm. it gives us like a little bit of a role mm-hmm. in this big crazy thing and mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. and also the that like that the people who are donating the people who aren't traveling the people who are like yeah. here are still like that's such a closer connection too. I mean, like, even if like, even if you aren't going overseas, even if you aren't going to Kenya or India, like, you know, someone who has been there Mm -hmm. and has seen what it's like and like can tell you the story or tell you like, I experienced this and it's awesome. And the Hope Ventures, like, and the Hope Ventures partners are doing this all the time when we're not there. And, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I I think that's pretty sweet too. That like, just the, what you were saying, Caleb, like the grassroots close connection piece of it. It's Mm -hmm. like, we're so connected and I don't know that's really awesome. Mm-hmm. Totally. Well, why do you guys think I'm, you mentioned that it's like, it's uh, intangible, like overseas work sometimes or like mm-hmm. nonprofits or just like missions and mm-hmm. people overseas. Every time someone goes overseas, they realize they have this like epiphany, this obvious epiphany that like, Oh, these are real people. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, they actually exist. Mm-hmm. Like, why do you think it's so hard for to like, understand that without actually going and how do you think like you can actually like understand that without without going or how have you seen like the bridge kind of like have you seen that epiphany go off for people that haven't gone on the trip through like maybe conversations you've had or or times that you've shared stories or stuff like that yes definitely do you have thoughts uh you seemed like you had more thoughts quicker i I have thoughts but go ahead go ahead um, I think that, I mean, for you, it's so different. You grew up with parents going overseas all right, the time. Yeah. And I think that's something that maybe it's difficult for you to understand how someone couldn't understand that. I grew up in South Lincoln. My parents never left the country. I never left the country. I barely left the Midwest. And I think it's really difficult to understand different culture or people living differently than us. Like we, we think of everything through our frame of mind and so while we can uh, we can learn, we can read, I think it's difficult to like imagine what life would be like and what it would look like. I mean, even like the backpack project, it's hard to understand how something so cheap as a backpack could really change a kid's life until mm-hmm. you understand the system around that and why that need is there. In Lincoln, Nebraska, if a kid doesn't have a backpack, ultimately they're probably going to be fine. They can probably still get an education. There might be challenges and hardships with that, but it's totally different. And so I think until you understand the greater system or the greater challenges, I mean, even going to Kenya and realizing proximity wise how difficult it would be to get supplies, like they don't have a grocery store or a Target down the street, like they have to go into the city and even that costs money, like to see, to see it and experience it and understand it and to realize like, it's not because these people aren't trying. It's mm-hmm. not because these people aren't working hard. It's not because their parents don't love them to meet these people and see they're working so hard and they really are doing the best they can. I think that is what is, 
this sounds horrible, but I think the epiphany comes when you realize you love these people. Mm -hmm. When you realize these people deserve so much more than that. Mm. I can get teary even thinking about it. I think there's this part of us that we don't care about people we don't understand or relate to. Mm. And then when you meet them and you get to know them and you become friends with them, you would do anything for them. (laughs) And I think, so the first year I went, I was studying journalism in college. And I, I remember coming back and thinking if people could just see them Hmm. if people could just meet them like we would take these like crappy photos and bring them home and like try and tell these stories Hmm. and that's honestly like so i'm now a full-time photographer and and josh does video as well and that's what started that i i realized i'm like i think we could i think we could do a better job bringing this to people because Hmm. i think if they could see them and hear their stories and understand they could not help but change something Hmm. and it's the same thing like you you are there and you're like it only costs $10 for a backpack. Okay. Like I'll find $10 in the bottom of my backpack right now. Like I like (laughs) need to get this money to you right now because I am like burdened Mm. by your story and you're an incredible Mm. human being. And I don't know. I just think to to answer your question, I think how we bring it back to people and how we be that like bridge, like you were talking about. I think we like this, this podcast, like we have to tell the stories. We have to humanize it for people. We have to express like, the humanness of the situation Mm -hmm. like the quirky things about the kids or like Mm -hmm. even relatable i guess one impactful time that i was telling someone about this i was realizing a lot of similarities between um one of my really good friends and her sponsor student they had both lost their dads um they'd both gone through some, some really similar feelings even about god or about their life and i got to share that with her when i came back um to Nebraska just about her sponsor student and she was just like she had even been to Kenya but even just hearing the story of her student like we can relate to so many of these people on small levels and I think that relatability helps us to empathize with them and I think that's hugely important Hmm. Hmm. yeah (laughs) I love what you said about like seeing you have to see them like, I feel like I, yeah. I, when you said that, I saw it in mm-hmm. italics on a paper. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, to, you know, you can't just see them. You yeah. just see them. Mm-hmm. And I think that, yeah, that there's something how, like, how do you, how do you take photos in a way that, that, that sees them? And then so other people can view those and mm-hmm. see them and how, or because when you go overseas and you, you actually do like, it mm-hmm. just, it's so real yeah. all of a sudden mm-hmm. and. Yeah, Ben, what were you going to add? I don't, I don't know. I think I think that's a piece of it. That's interesting that you started talking about that because that's what I was thinking. I was thinking about the story of um, the guy who started Charity Water. His name is oh my Scott gosh, Harrison. Ryan. Scott yeah. Harrison. <laughs> and he was on a medical ship um, in Africa. Um, I mean, it's a, whole, it's a way bigger story than this. Go and read his book. Or I know Charity Water has a really good... Um, like video background on the origins of it that I showed in class, mm-hmm. um, which I think is really good. Go watch that if you're listening. Um, but his like a piece of his story was that he was there and he's like, I need to tell people, I need to tell people what's happening. I need to show people like, how do I get people to understand what's going on around the world? <laughs> uh, how do, how do I get people to understand? And he's like, he realized that like it was pictures was like his like, entry in like people mm. were like seeing like he took pictures and he showed it to his friends and he showed it to he like threw through a party and like showed him the pictures and like the picture spoke a thousand words and that was like people started to actually like understand a little bit and so i think 
like a picture does that, but then also like if a picture does that, then like what's a video do? Mm-hmm. And then if a video does that to somebody who hasn't been somewhere, like what is actually going there? You know? Yeah. yeah. So I think that's maybe a piece of what you were asking too, of like, what's the difference between actually going and experiencing another country or people in need around the world versus people in need here. I don't yeah. know. It, that, that experience to go is like another step beyond watching a video right. or, you know, right. and, and not that you can't like cognitively understand it or know, like there's a lot of people who probably go overseas who don't understand it all, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. they've experienced it, but they don't actually know the statistics or they don't actually know, like there has to be some, some middle ground or some, some kind of education that I think there's really uneducated people who go overseas and come back and like experienced it, but like don't quite understand what to do with that or don't quite understand like the gravity of, of that, or I don't know. I think there's, there's both sides to it. Um, so I don't know. I, I think, so I think someone can stay here and learn about Kenya or like the needs of students or, or people like tribes in the Masai Mara or wherever, mm-hmm. you know, like I think you can like stay here and understand that, or you can go there and experience it and they're both valuable and we, yeah. need, we need both of them in this world. I mean, the whole venture, like if it was just you guys going overseas without like maybe understanding more of like, the difference between like equality and equity or like, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. I don't mm-hmm. know. Like things that are maybe more like quote unquote scholarly. Like I think those are both valuable. Um, so I don't know. I think that, I think that like I've, I'm still wrestling with like, okay, so I go to Kenya. I meet, I meet Victor and his family or whatever. And they're living and his dad is a herder and they like don't have a lot of money and like, like, what do I do with that? Mm-hmm. Like, what's, like, my role in that from Lincoln, Nebraska? Like, I want to give you money, but that's not, like, that doesn't solve your problems. Or, like, yeah. that doesn't, like, that's not what you need, and that's not, like, what my role is. I'm not some white savior coming here that knows better. Or, like, you guys, like, don't have running water? Oh, my gosh, that's the worst. Like, let me give you running water somehow. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's, that is a need, but it's also, like, how much is that a need? And how much is that their world and their country and their culture and, like how do I fix that? And so I think, I think I've wrestled with that. Um, to some degree, I'm still wrestling with that. Like, how do I view the world? Not as a white savior, but as like a piece of this is where I come from. But because something is natural to me or normal to me, doesn't mean that it's what you necessarily need in your country. Mm-hmm. But I think like being involved with the whole venture and student sponsorship is I know that there's relationships and I know that there's like, it's more than just me showing up and, giving money to the problem, you know, like I think I can go and experience, I can meet a student and I can know that like that student needs an education and that's like non-negotiable or Mm -hmm. like that student like wants to, wants to get an education and get a job and like provide for their families or like change their communities. And I mean, you watch like the student sponsorship video, Mm -hmm. like the, the three guys at the end who are just talking about like, the dreams they have yeah. for like, but not just for them, but for like their community and for like their country. And, you know, I think that's the, the piece of the whole venture that I'm like, I don't have to wrestle with like white savior conflicts as much. I think it's something <laughs> that the whole venture, the whole venture like wrestles with and that the whole venture like thinks a lot about, um, how do we not do that? But I yeah. think it's like those relationships, like I, those are my friends and mm. like, that's like, it's also you know. rooted in strategy, which mm-hmm. I feel like is huge. Like to just go and respond to a need based off of your feelings. Mm-hmm. And this is a huge thing I learned the first time I ever went overseas and, and went to India. Mm-hmm. I, there's a woman begging on the street 
and she was asking for uh, money and water. Mm-hmm. And I remember being there and I, I lost it. I was like, how can I ignore this problem? Mm-hmm. Like, how do I, like, I'm doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was with your dad. I was with Jeff. And he said, you're not doing nothing. You're being smart. You're, you're being strategic. Mm-hmm. You are. That's why you're here. You're, you're addressing this issue from, from a, a step above that from the strategic point mm. and that's going to drip down eventually we have to trust that process mm-hmm. and i think that's what's really cool about the sponsorship it's starting on ground level it's starting with kids that need education and mm-hmm. that's going to help eventually drip into other areas where there's issues that you know maybe wouldn't be as as impactful to mm-hmm. respond to mm-hmm. yeah that's really hard that's yeah. <laughs> really hard, hard to think about yeah i think the i mean yeah i think ben you're right that like the hope venture thinks about that or like whenever you go to overseas you I like that you pointed out that like on on in one sense you go overseas you like understand like you see the humanity of people you realize mm-hmm. that there's that epiphany we were talking about mm-hmm. then in another sense you really don't understand because you there's it's so complicated mm-hmm. like why am I here and what am I doing and are we actually helping and mm-hmm. like or is this hurting or mm-hmm. like how is this how is this working this problem of poverty is so real and mm-hmm. uh but i i think that like one of the things that i that i love about the hope ventures strategy is like our purpose statement is that uh we're on an adventure to bring hope and dignity to the most disadvantaged people of the world and we put like the dignity in there mm. um because it's a constant reminder and a constant like pressure from our purpose statement to like to see people not from the perspective of a white savior, but to see them as a complex human being who has solutions and ideas and uh, all those need to be heard and valued and respected. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it it makes it so you can't just like, you can't just throw money. You can't just um, think your, like your solutions are the best solutions, but you have to, you have to seek to collaborate. And I, that's kind of what happens in Kenya at times is mm. like what the camp, what people see at camp is like the, the collaborative process of what's ongoing at the hope venture, like behind the scenes all the time between the partners and between us at the office and stuff. But like when we're in at the camp, you actually like see like, Oh, there's like Kenyans and Americans working hand in hand, trying to bring both their experiences to the table trying to work together to figure this out in relationship and in like friendship, which adds like a, mm-hmm. I think it adds a, like a, the friendship piece adds a layer of making it personal. Mm-hmm. You can't like, it's like stri- strategic with the personal element. Mm-hmm. I feel like having both emotion and wisdom and all of that like mm-hmm. wrapped up in it. Mm-hmm. Victoria, I'm curious, you were starting to talk about this and I am curious if you have any other thoughts on it, but that you are like, you were a Vanderbeek, now you're a Peterson, and like I think you're almost like a bridge for like the world between like between understanding yeah, the Petersons <laughs> between like people who are like donating to the Hope Venture and like see like three Petersons working for the Hope Venture, and I I don't know like I guess as you've like come to know the Hope Venture and like been grafted into that family like what do you have anything to speak into that like. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, so much. I could talk about that for hours. Um, (laughs) I think there's a level of 
difficulty that mm-hmm. comes with that for sure. Mm-hmm. But also I've learned so much. I think the way I was raised was productivity is the most important thing. Hmm. And I've talked about this with my parents a lot. We've grown, we've grown a lot since then. Um, productivity is important. Um, being organized is important. If you're planning something, executing it well. Um, and with that comes a high level of stress. Mm. Um, and I think that's one thing that was really difficult for me the first year we planned. I think I'm increasingly getting better at dealing with it. But. Oh, because you you married Josh the first year yeah. before camp. But we started planning this long before that. So we oh, were sure. planning this, planning this first year while being engaged Mm -hmm. while learning how to actually become a peterson Uh dealing with family dynamics on top of that then getting married then going to kenya immediately it was so much at once so not only was i trying to learn how to be a peterson just like family wise but then how to work with petersons Mm -hmm. then how to like which was so like we are are so different i think we brought really different things to the table Hmm. but i think i also, I'm such a details person. So I was like, okay, but what are like the details? What are the like, what's the plan, you know? And yeah. and I think I was so stressed the first year. And I think I'm continuing to learn this. But for the last like five years, my words have been freely and lightly. And I think there's no place that I have learned to be free and light other than like more than Kenya. Hmm. And I think... Every year I go, I wrestle with, okay, God, like I've made this plan. I worked really hard on these details. I, I've i been working for months to get this organized and and I'm getting here and I just have to be here. Like I just have to be present. And I think that's one thing that Petersons are so annoyingly good at sometimes is just showing up and being present and, and saying, okay, we have to scrap all those details. That's fine. We can wing it. We can go on the fly. We can adapt. We can change. And I think that's a beautiful part about the hope venture is it's small enough to respond to, um, change and differences, but it's also, I think it's in its DNA to be light and free. And, and that was so hard for me at first. And I think I, while I think I thought the trips were so beneficial the first few years, I didn't totally enjoy it. I was st- stressed and I was uncomfortable because I hadn't really done anything like that before. And I think it can be really difficult to put yourself in a situation that's so foreign to what your normal life looks like. Hmm. But I think the Petersons are just so amazingly good at at just being there and just being in front of people and in the relationship and showing up every day for, okay, Lord, what do you have for me now? And who do you have for me today? And, Hmm. and what are you calling me to do in this situation and being prayerful? And, and I think year after year, I started to enjoy the trip more because I was able to go into it with different expectations, a needing less for myself out of it. But being able to be free and light, to show up with plans in hand, just ready to drop them if we need to. Mm-hmm. Um, but realizing what was important about it and realizing that maybe the most important thing isn't that we follow our schedule to a T. Maybe mm-hmm. it's that I took the time to be with that one student or I don't know. I've grown mm-hmm. immensely from that. And in that, I've felt the most joy and peace I've ever felt in my life. Mm-hmm being in kenya Mm. because it is just a beautiful unique circumstance that we don't really get a lot here i would also say 
on the other end of it, I think that like for whatever things were really hard and really challenging for you in Kenya, like I think because of you being the detail person or because of you like being the one to like make a decision or like say we're going to stick with the decision that we've already chosen. I think that like as someone who went as just a team member and saw you in the leadership position, I really appreciated that about you. And so I know you've like come and grown the opposite direction and like maybe you're more lenient and able to be flexible, which is a good thing. But also I think that like you not quite operating the same as Josh or since he in some areas, mm-hmm. I think that's like been a beautiful thing to well round the team. And I think you and Josh make a good team in that way. Like I think Thanks. like you two leading together was like really beautiful for me to watch as mm. well. So Thanks. I'm glad you've grown, but also I'm glad you are the way you are. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's I can second. a huge part of the reason why our, I mean, we've grown so much is because we keep adding people to our team that are so different than us mm. that bring something completely different to the table, their own unique strengths and experiences and passions, like bringing Steve DeVore, who is a vastly different human being than I am with different passions and skills, right. but adds something so different to the table. Mm. I think, I don't know, I think that's part of the really cool importance of bringing people is, is it shifts us a little bit. It adds something unique to the, mm-hmm. the story. Hmm. I, I see you as like the spine of the <laughs> of the team, to be honest. Like just oh holding it all up. got a spine. Like <laughs> I, I really feel like, like we mm-hmm. could... We could plan the whole trip and obviously like I haven't thought about all the details and I think for sure obviously. Josh Josh hasn't <laughs> either and like even even Ben, you're now the camp director and uh I you know, and I think of you and Josh planning the trip, I'm like you know, like there's it's totally gonna fly, but it's yeah. like there's gonna be probably some stuff missed. Right. And if you're there, I know it'll all be caught mm-hmm. by you. <laughs> like mm-hmm. which is I just think people most definitely people come to depend on your uh your presence there like mm. somehow once the camp is underway it's like oh go ask tori or yeah go ask about this and she's you know pretty much everything that's going on so yeah uh, mm. your detail oriented self definitely is a a blessing to the whole team mm. thank you mm-hmm. this was going to be your first year since we're not there right now this was going to be your first year not like officially in a leadership position. Yeah. And so I guess we didn't get to see the fulfillment of like, That's I wish why I, we're not going. That's yeah. why it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't yeah, exactly. do it without me. Exactly. You would have been totally Oh fine. gosh. Actually, that was like a very long, also last minute planned meeting of saying, let's talk about not going to camp. Maybe it was planned and I just didn't know about it until like 30 minutes before, but <laughs> show up and Some realize that it's a, right. or like, Hey, can you come to a meeting? Perfect. I'll be there. All right. So at the meeting today, guys, we'll be talking about whether or not we're going to camp. It's all like, right. Oh gosh. Like, I haven't whether thought about this at job. all. <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, but I was, I wanted to be able to ask you like, what was that? What was that like for you to not like be a co-camp director? I'm sure you would have been like, leading anyway in like in like your history and your experience like it was you and josh's trip but i guess as you were preparing for the trip was that like a hard thing to let go of or um i feel like people listening probably have had an experience where they've like had something that was hard to let go of or hard to hard to release but even like maybe it like was the right time to let go of it but it was hard still or Maybe it was, I, I guess I'm putting that on you. Maybe it was really easy and like free, free. It was freeing for you to let go of it. Maybe I'm not sure. Can you just like speak into that experience? I think it was both. I think 
I love you and I trust you and I you would have done an excellent job. Mm. You bring something totally different to the table in a beautiful way. And I have no doubt that even though the detail side would have been harder for you, Definitely. I think you could have done that Thanks. wonderfully. Um, I, I, it is hard to give up things that you worked hard to build mm -hmm. for sure. Um, even last year, I think I learned a lot about, <laughs> I think I've told you this story of, I think one, the year before I had reflected and one thing I wanted to do better, um, was I really wanted people to feel more welcome immediately upon coming to camp. Do you remember mm -hmm. me telling you this mm -hmm, story? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, um, so I committed that I was going to be the first person they saw when they walked in to camp because right. I wanted to be like a welcoming present. I wanted to like give them a huge hug. I wanted to like tell them that they were valued mm -hmm. and um, that didn't happen because we had a guard at the front gate and he was the first person they saw. And I just got to watch him person after person gently and dignifyingly welcome each person. Um, and anyways, I learned a ton from that. And, and I just think my plans are never better. My plans are never better than God's plan. And I'm continually continually learning that so i think that was one thing that came to mind when we were planning this i'm like okay all of the things that i planned or all the things that i think would be great about you know ideas i had to change for this year like god's plans are better and i have to trust that mm -hmm. but also like the one thing i'm so passionate about is is the storytelling aspect and i haven't been able to do that the last few years and mm -hmm. so like we said, this is when I started photography was kind of at camp and that's grown a ton since then. Even, you know, that's become my life here as well. Hmm. Um, but I was really excited to go back to that um, now that I understand it a little bit more. Hmm. And I think there's so much power in the storytelling and, and we haven't been able, to, I haven't been able to give that my focus. And so hmm. I was really excited to be there and have, have my focus be being that bridge and how do we bring this story home how do i help people understand how do i have people meet these people without being here um and i think there's we were talking about the dignity aspect i think there's a total opportunity to dignify someone by representing them well and by yeah. by i think there's power in telling your story and it, and that's a humbling humbling place to be to be the one to get to to be the recipient of that story or the the feed of that story to, mm -hmm. to bring that home. And, you know, the messenger is a beautiful position to be in. Um, but to be able to use the skill that God's given me to, to be that, I was so pumped for that. And mm -hmm. I think that my excitement for that maybe overshadowed my nervousness to hand things off because I trust you guys. I think it'd be different if I wasn't going. Um, right. And I think it'll be, yeah, I don't know. I hope that I get the opportunity to go back again mm -hmm. and and be the storyteller and have that be my focus because I, mm. I don't know, I'd be stoked to get to do that. Yeah. So yeah. almost like leaving something and like being excited about like yeah. doing something new. Because like, I've grown and changed. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, while that was maybe my strength then and maybe I still have some of those skills, that's not what I'm most passionate about now. I think God's used this in my life to show me, you know, what are my strengths? What are the things that I'm passionate about? And like I said, that's completely directed my life in a different way than I thought. Mm. Um, and I think that's huge for a lot of people that go on this trip. They, they realize, okay, maybe God's gifted me in this area. I mean, even you, like you came on this trip and I think realize like you love students and, and yeah. you're a teacher and that's what you're feeling called to, but maybe you could do both or maybe you mm. could, focus more on 
on loving students that are in totally different cultures because they're just still students. Right. And, and I yeah. think that's something that you we've talked about a lot of like yeah. high school students are high school students, whether they're in America or in Kenya. Yeah, um, 100%. So I don't know. I think it's been cool to see my growth, A, as, as a person in my character. I think that's been challenged. Mm-hmm. Um, like we said, my ability to be present or, present or whatever, um, but also just like maybe my role on the team. I, th- I think it should always, we should always be growing and changing and, and adjusting. Mm. And mm. I don't know. That's yeah. a great question. Thank you for asking that. Were you going to mm. say something at one point? Well, I was kind of, <clears throat> I was kind of curious, like what your, uh, if you could like share what your vision was for like what you were excited about. If, if you had gotten to go on this trip, if you were in Kenya right now, like how would you be taking photos? Like what mm. would, Ooh. what would you be taking photos of? Yeah. What would you, what's your dream for like, being that bridge it's a great question um i think my my motto always is people over photos so i think i never want to be the person that shows up with my camera on my face going into it trying to get the perfect photo because i just think that's not honoring the people so i think that would probably look like building relationships first and then i think you get you get a sense of the story once you're there, once you're in it. And I feel like you maybe understand that as a writer. Like mm-hmm. you you can see the story pretty quickly, like, or hypothesize what that story might be. And then you dig into that a little bit more b- long before you ever write the story. And so I think that's a huge piece of it is you maybe identify like, oh, there's something there. Or um, even, I mean, going, checking up on projects, like what is the story here? And then you find ways to capture that, like, because you want to also paint the picture, not just who this person is, but you have to tell the whole story in photos. So mm-hmm. um, maybe we're talking about, gosh, I'm trying to think of a specific student in their story. I mean, even Tracy, like I, w- I went to her house last year and and more than just taking a photo of her face because you want to know what Tracy looks like. You know, I want to take a photo of her hands cooking or mm-hmm. um, her doing her homework in with her tiny little light in the corner mm-hmm. or... Um, feeding her chickens or, you know, whatever that is. You want to focus on the details of the story as well because you're trying to communicate the entire thing mm-hmm. um, and the emotion of that. What's the emotion of the story? Mm-hmm. Like, how do we, how do we, um, like, recognize the need in the story but also the hope and the and the dignity as well so that reminds me so last year on that homestay where you're at tracy's house oh my gosh this is so funny this story's Um, so good it's so we were walking with we were walking we were at our homestay at isaac's house and we were just all out on a walk with him like he was like let me show you around like let me show you where my school is and let me show you like let me show you these fields let me show you this with the this part of Narok that we're in and we're just walking around um and we hear i can't remember what tipped us off i think i was screaming i think there was screaming there was screaming involved not like like terrified (laughs) screaming like i'm holding a chicken that's trying to get out of my my hands hands. (laughs) and i'm really trying to take a photo of it because they want to name it after me and i think it's incredible (laughs) And so, so we hear Victoria's voice. But I'm also voice. afraid of chickens. Yeah. Really? Well, no, but well, it, was it, it was a scary. little scary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those Kenyan chickens, man. Um, so we hear Victoria's voice slash screams like on the on the horizon. And I think it was I maybe Isaac just said, oh, there's this is where Tracy lives. And we we're like, what? And so we like walk up and like their their house is kind of doesn't have like, like a wall, like, yeah. a gate. There's like mm-hmm. a wall around their like 
around their outhouses in their their house and but there is there's a gate a big gate with there was a, a hole in the gate so like you know you could like open a window in the gate yeah and you could look through and so we all peek our heads in and it's victoria holding a chicken that's <laughs> in the process of flying out of her hands and she's trying not to let it go but she doesn't want to hurt it as she's doing that so she's trying to be careful with the chicken that's flying out of her arms <laughs> but and were, i didn't realize so they were going to name it after you i don't know or, i was trying so, to convince them to name it i don't know if they it did. was like a photo they off. probably told me that they did but they probably didn't, didn't or little they, john they, i was really trying to so i whenever i see someone's animals i'm like do they have names and if they don't then i'm like you should name one after me <laughs> and i don't think he was about it, it. <laughs> well also like who knows he's like it's a chicken they chop its head off probably. and they kill victoria trying and, to knock it oh. off <laughs> anyway but it was like this moment of of like seeing like photography like peep for you saying people over photos like yeah you took a moment to i think even avery might have been taking the photo because you were holding the chicken or, i don't remember but anyway i think john was taking the photo oh okay little, so, little john with the camera so john was like was tracy's little brother, brother yeah, he's and 10. he's 10 and he was like a photo wizard he was yeah, just he was like taking yeah. some good ones snapping good little candid photos from fun short angles and that is my favorite thing so i think photography can be a really scary thing you show up with like a big scary camera that mm-hmm. makes kind of scary noises mm-hmm. and and that's always my go-to when people are feeling uncomfortable because also there's the, the language barrier mm. of like how do, i can't communicate to you that i'm like just wanting to like take your photo so then i i usually like hand them my photo and i like tell them to look through it and then i have them take a photo of me first mm. because i do think it like it breaks the barrier oh, a little that's bit cool. um so i have all these like photos of like just like <laughs> me reaching out <laughs> selfie out. photo so <laughs> um and so i think i did that with john one time and he i showed him how to use the camera i showed mm. him what buttons to press and he like loved it and so he'd just always come grab my camera and take photos so it was my favorite thing looking through my photos when i got home seeing just all these photos i had no idea he took uh-huh. um, but i think that actually was what was going on when we were holding the chicken is i think he wanted to take a photo of me with his with chicken, chicken with my oh, camera that's so which i just absolutely love but oh i love that i feel like that just the when you're talking about like what photos you want to get and how you wanted to take some like at like at Tracy's house, like yeah. of her like doing the things at her house, mm-hmm. um, and then the idea of John wanting to take a photo of you with his chicken, like it shows that he's like wanting to show this thing off, and I think like a lot of times when we think of like Kenya or like Africa or poverty, even we think of like oh they live in like a mud hut, and we like think that's like a negative, mm-hmm. you know, we we kind of think of that like oh that's so bad, you know. But they want to show us their house with all, they like want to host us. They want like, they feel pride in their home. Absolutely. And, uh, and that's something to like, to take a photo. Absolutely. Well, you have to dignify them, but you have to dignify them the way they would like to be dignified. And they, they want their chickens to be taken pictures of. They want their home, you know, like probably to be like a part of it. You have to tell that whole that's that actually story. a question that I often ask is what's one thing you're proud of? Because mm. I think it tells, so, it's, it speaks volumes of what what matters to them mm-hmm. or what, you know, maybe their life has looked at before. Maybe they're so proud that they built their house by themselves or maybe they're so proud that they own chickens because now they have a business or yeah. maybe they're proud of their schoolwork. You know, you don't know. It's an easy entrance into like figuring out what their story is. So I think that's an excellent point. It's easy for us to look at it and say like, I would never live here or I would never. Mm, right. When like, it's really difficult to know. You don't know their story. You don't know yeah. how far they've come. You don't yeah. know. Yeah. I could yeah. go on forever. Susan's story is incredible. Their mom's story is oh, please, incredible. Please tell it. 
Okay. Or you, or you should you should read it and Tori has <gasps> it. Tori wrote it yeah. in oh. a very very beautiful way and it's on our uh on venture blog. blog right yeah. now. It just got posted. It did just get posted. I cry every time I read it. It's inc- she's an incredible. Hmm. We call her Super Susan. <laughs> she's the greatest. Check it out. Yeah. You guys just reminded me. I can't find it. I'm trying so hard to find it. That there is this website Oh, if I could, uh, it's almost not even worth me telling you about it. But the website is Homes Around the World. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea of it is that, like, so you, like, click on a home, and then it, like, has just pictures of all their possessions, like, what it's like to live there. And the idea of it all is that it says, like, it also connects it with their the, the family's income. Mm-hmm. And so part of the thought is that, like, you might say, like, third world country and assume that every house in Kenya is, like, mud hut, like what you were saying. Mm-hmm. But actually what you discover is that there's, like, homes of people who make a lot more money who live in Nairobi who are very different from from the homes that are like around Narok mm-hmm. or like in India there's like re- like the like the disparity between top and and bottom mm-hmm. is just so huge um so that that's something i've been i've been learning this last week like with that website um gosh if i could find it i'll throw it in the show notes <laughs> okay if i find it i'll put it in the show notes so people can go and go and click the show notes and find it um but you just get this idea of like you can see the income, see where they live, and then like look. And, and what you actually discover to learn is that rather than like the country you live in that changes what your house is like and the things you own is actually your income. Mm-hmm. So like people who make $3 a day in Kenya look a lot like people who make $3 a day in, you know, Mexico mm-hmm. or like whatever. Like actually it's wherever it is in the world, it's much more the income than it is. Sorry, that's a total tangent, but I Very thought it was really interesting this yeah. week as I as I found that. So, that um, super interesting. but you were saying like, I'm sorry, what were you you were talking about homes? You were talking about like, yeah. well, I I think that it's it's such a like interesting thing to think about because I feel like my perspective on poverty has changed a lot over the years. But it like originally, like, it the first thing you think of is like, what do they have? Mm-hmm. Like, what do I have and what do they have? Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes I'm embarrassed, like when I'm in India in the slums to talk about my home, you know, mm-hmm. talk about all the things that I have, the mm-hmm. possessions and how comfortable I am. Mm-hmm. But I think poverty is like way more complex than that. Mm-hmm. And like, it's not just let's get them a bigger home. Let's mm-hmm. get them a better home, you mm-hmm. know? And like the problem isn't necessarily even the home, you know, the problem is that they, uh, they can't get a job because of maybe some oppression that is like keeping them from that, or they didn't get an education or Mm. um, there's abuse or there's so many like different factors that can play into it. And if we just, if we just look at the home and think, Oh, that's so sad that you don't have like what I have, it nullifies their, their story and their pain and the reality of it. And maybe the home is what they love and and Mm. the home is their safe place, you know, Mm -hmm. but the the world is the problem. The system's the problem or Mm. it's just like, is really complex. And, I like that we can uh, we can be working to help people, uh, you know, grow their income and even yeah have have better homes and have clean water access and Security. things like that and yeah, yeah. health. But yeah. at the same time, recognize like where you're at now is also beautiful. Like mm. in the midst of pain and suffering and a process of like coming out of poverty like mm. where you're at right now what you love we can love too we're not mm. gonna we're not gonna tell you that your home is is ugly like if your home is beautiful it's beautiful you know mm-hmm. mm. do you find that as a writer your the process of writing someone's story helps you process what it would be like to be to be the character in the story or to be for that to be do you ever do you ever find 
do you ever relate to the stories in that way or think like wow what would I have done if that was me like does it help you process through that or are you more so focused on like them in the story (laughs) I mean I think definitely is an empathetic process of like like I was just trying to write a story like two weeks ago about uh people like we we just distributed goats in uh in Kenya and we got uh, our partner Elijah sent us photos of it and so I was you know hearing some of the story he wrote some of the stories uh, some of the details and I was going to write a story about it and then I was like I was thinking like what would it be like if I got a goat like <laughs> yeah. I'm like what what would have Truthfully. to happen in my life for me to need to be given a goat like for that to be the 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 step that propels me to um uh to grow or to mm-hmm. be able to make an income and I just was trying to think like I think it, it came you know in the amidst our our current situation in America and everything and reckoning with privilege and it just was like trying to enter I think when I try to enter into like the shoes of the people that we work with in Kenya and India and Uganda it always just like is so difficult Mm -hmm. I think the disparity is so far and I I've I think I've written more often I just I can never understand like Mm. I'll never know what it's like to to be so thankful that someone gave me a goat because I had nothing else, you know, and I, I've tried everything else to try to figure out a way to make some money. And I can't even give my kid any sort of nutrition. And this goat is actually helping me, you know, like that's, I think that's the the beautiful thing with writing though, is you can say like, there are relatable aspects of it. Like, Mm -hmm. what is it like to not be able to provide for your family? We can imagine that we can imagine not knowing where I'm like, no, we can't imagine it, but like being hungry, we've all felt the pain of hunger at some point of our life. Likely Mm -hmm. it's totally different for us, but I think Mm. you could focus. I think what's beautiful in your writing is I think you find a way you find at least one way to describe it that, that we can at least enter in enough to know, to be able to imagine it, but even though we're never going to understand it. Mm -hmm. And, and you also bring a human aspect to it that I think is, really important and beautiful you i love listening to your writing it's like we need to be the dream team because i need well, you to write the stories and then i need to take the photos well, and then no, no. we can if, just be both if you're listening to this podcast you you need to they're like we've been talking about the bridge we've been talking about like storytelling and it being being the bridge to bring it back here mm-hmm. and talking about like writing and photography and things well the kavita story is like the oh, example of a bridge yeah. like you so victoria went to india and was meeting uh, recipients of our backpack project, and uh-huh. she met this girl named Kavita. She took this photo of Kavita and her parents, and then I was an intern at the Hope Venture, t- like writing stories for the Hope Venture, and she, so I didn't go to India, I didn't meet Kavita, mm-hmm. but Victoria showed me the photo that she took, and it like, I met Kavita. Like, uh-huh. it captivated me. Mm. Like, I, and then I wrote this story about it, and it's now in the catalog at the Hope Venture. Uh-huh. So, like, the 2019 catalog. Uh-huh. So, you should check out that story because it, I think it shows, like, huh. it shows the bridge. It shows that your photo actually told me the story, and I, mm. I felt like I actually met, like, my life was impacted. It was changed. I felt braver and more uh, able to take on the pain of the world because of a photo that you took, mm. you know? And so I think 
I think the bridge. I think the reality that stories can bridge us to people that we've never met and bridge us to, like, yeah, to to the. It can connect us to the the pain of the world and and produce actual impact. I think that's very real, and I've seen that. So. And everyone relates differently to things. Like I think that again brings the, the um, sorry the the importance of. We need people with different skills and passions. Some people, like you and I, relate similarly, I think, to things, which is why we can communicate in that sense. But some people don't. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a really beautiful thing about people coming on this trip is then they can come home and bring that to their people who relate similarly to them. And that's going to look wildly different than mm-hmm. it does for me sharing my stories with people. And even hearing, like, like Hunter always writes, he's not a writer, but he, like is an engineer but (laughs) reading his writing i feel like from the trip it's an entirely different perspective on things and it's beautiful in its totally own way and and i'm always Mm. amazed to hear other people's experiences Mm. because i don't know i just think that's really powerful we need people that that have differences and that have their own i don't know i guess just perspectives on things yeah definitely if you want to hear Hunter's writing, go listen to the last 15 minutes of episode one. <gasps> yeah. Oh. yeah. Caleb, so Caleb surprised him with it. He yeah. like popped, Caleb oh. went and found it and was like, Hey Hunter, we have, uh, we have something to share with you. So and then great. it was Hunter's own words, which was awesome. It's really cool. Um, what other thoughts? I don't know. This is such a great conversation. I don't want it to end, but to maybe leave? what time is it? It's 11. Oh, 18. no, no, no. I'm fine. Okay. Whatever. It's good. <laughs> I'm I was to think, told this needed to end at 11, 11? for your sake. No, it's fine. So. I'm just jackhammering up okay. a floor after this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you have any other, were there any other like people stories of like anybody else you wanted to like, that was like, you really wanted to share about or that you're like, man, I think Kenyon, I think this person. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so when Josh and I got married, this is a kind of long story. I'll try to be quick, but. When Josh, actually, when we got engaged, we had no money. Oh my gosh, we were so poor. Um, we uh, both crashed our cars within a week of being engaged. We both totaled our cars. And it was right before Christmas. I think we collectively maybe had $400 in our bank account. And we we were like going to, to um, like buying gifts for Christmas and stuff. And the Petersons do this thing where, um, the, I don't know, giving is there a name do you call it like giving what are you talking about giving time with your family on christmas oh yeah giving time giving time time with the family on christmas um anyways they sit around the table um the parents give them a little bit of money um Uh to give and then they match it with their own money as well Uh um and so we were going around talking about you know what did we want to give um josh and i this is our first christmas being together and we were like okay we're gonna give together we're gonna give our own money and josh was like i really want to keep sponsoring this student's uh, his name is Sean. Um, and I want to pay it all now because I don't know if we're going to have enough money for the rest of the year to pay it. And I was like, you want to spend all of our money right now <laughs> on someone you've never met mm. because you're afraid that we're not going to have enough money to pay it later. That means we don't have enough money to give to the student. Like <laughs> if you think we're going to have $0 later and we're like getting married and need to buy two cars, like this isn't, we can't afford this. And uh-huh. he showed me this photo of him this like horribly pixelated photo and we watched this video that was like not the best Uh and and i was like okay i guess i was like praying about it i'm like lord i really don't want to give my money to this kid that i've never met and Hmm. i was kind of bitter about it but i was like we probably should do it and josh was really passionate about it so i was like okay so we gave our money and and i just 
I was like kind of irked about it. Mm. I was like, that was so much money that we gave to the student and we mm. didn't have the money to do it. And mm. then since he asked us to leave the trip that year, and I was like, first, you want me to give all my money to this kid I've never met. Now you want us to fundraise. When we still have no money, you want us to fundraise to go on this trip to th- this place that I don't want to go to mm. meet these people that I don't really want to meet. Mm-hmm. And anyways, long story short, God totally provided. We got ended up getting given a car, which is just a wild thing. And we <laughs> fundraised that year and we're fully funded. And And I remember showing up on this to Kenya and, and I kind of had a hard heart, I think. I had not really experienced anything like this before and I didn't really want to mm-hmm. I think because I knew it was going to be uncomfortable um and I got there and I saw Sean's face and I recognized him from this from photo the on our photo? fridge uh. and it was like all of the sacrifice quote-unquote sacrifice because that really wasn't that big of a sacrifice to me um all of the sacrifice I don't think we understand what that does to our heart Hmm. and meeting him i just like lost it Hmm. i was like i feel like this is my child like i feel Hmm. like i have this connection to this human being that i've never met before Hmm. because i've faithfully given when i didn't want to like it's like waking up in the middle of the night to change your baby's diapers like you don't really want to but i think that that is what leads you to love your kids so much like you've sacrificed a lot for them and anyways i showed up there and i got to know him as a human being and he changed my life like I, I, at that point, I, I never felt like it was a sacrifice to give. I like want, I would do anything for him Hmm. and, and leaving there, I just prayed like desperately. I'm like, Lord, you have to provide for him. Like he's an incredible, incredible person. And every year we've gone back, I've gotten to see like his growth. And, and I'm just reminded like, God, let me be part of that. And he like used this not only to grow me and to grow my heart for other people, but he's like literally changing lives through something. It really wasn't ultimately that much of a sacrifice for us. And so, um, he's graduated now. And every time we go, I get to go visit him. Um, he's a mechanic now. I'm so proud of him. Um, he's just, he takes care of his little sister as well. And I don't know, I just could never imagine. He's like very brave and very hardworking. And, um, it's cool to see through everything, like every time I see him, I'm reminded of my growth of my heart of like Mm. I can't believe I was so selfish that I didn't want to like it felt like such a huge inconvenience but getting to see where he's at now like I would do it 10 times over Mm because I care so deeply about him and I think it's I I just kind of as a privilege to get to be part of his a small part of his story Mm. um and yeah I think that has been I look back on that often of like, a Lord, the Lord like totally provided for us in, in ways that I will never understand. Like, I don't know how we Mm. finished that year. The same year we paid off all of our student loans. Like I have no idea where that money came from. Mm. Literally no idea. So that was incredible. Um, but also like, I don't know. I just think God uses our obedience and he uses our faithfulness even when we do it kind of out of a hard heart, even when we're like, okay, Lord, I don't really want to do this, but you're calling me to do it anyways. Like he rewards that and, and uses that. And I don't know. I think it's really easy to use it money as an excuse to not do something. And mm. it feels like, I don't know how this is going to work. And mm. I don't know. It's, it's cool to see five years later how that played out in our life, but also in Sean's life. Like it's, mm 
he's in a totally mm. different spot mm. i think i i was excited to go visit him this year i'm, I'm bummed i'm gonna try and see if we can reach out to him but he was gonna start his own business this year and there's no way that would have happened i don't mm. think five years ago so mm. i'm really proud of him wow but, i feel like <clears throat> that just speaks to the idea of like giving not from your abundance but like giving even when it feels like you don't have enough to give and uh maybe that's like maybe that's the idea of giving of like god's abundance that's abundantly there when your abundance is not but uh but the idea of you like not having enough to give to the to sean uh at the like in a couple months so like not having enough for two cars and all of that and still giving anyway is this practice of faith. It's this practice of trusting that like somehow there's going to be enough money for the other things. Like I'm going to give even when I don't have, it reminds me of a story of Ben, you're one of your uh, students in Kenya in your small group. His name is Lewis. Mm -hmm. He, I got to talk to him last summer and he was just sharing with me his, like he was sharing me his story and uh he told me like he has a pretty hard story but um he was talking about how one time after having come to camp i think and he had learned about generosity and learned about like how he can help his own community and he told me a story of like having 20 shillings uh in his pocket and being like excited about it and cuz he hasn't had very much money and just having some like money in his pocket was like this thing for him he was walking down the street and he a beggar came up to him and he walked past the beggar and was like like no and then he somehow had this like convicting moment and goes back and gives him all his 20 shillings and i'm sitting there just learning from this from a kid who doesn't have near as much as i do and i think but we tell ourselves the story all the time like i don't have enough to give i don't have enough money to to you know to give anything right now i'll I'll give when i once i finish you know paying off my loans or i'll give once i get a career job and am more settled once i have built up a storehouse or an abundance or Mm. once coronavirus is passed and the economy is back to you know doing well like then i'll give but we never give when you know, when we have There's uncertainty, yeah, yeah. When we don't know, like mm-hmm. when we don't have enough. And so I think that that story just speaks, speaks mm-hmm. to a vision of giving that is like very hard to, mm-hmm. to actually like put into practice. Mm-hmm. But I'm, but hearing you tell it and remembering Lewis and is a motivating thing. Mm-hmm. He also had a student who, okay, these students have very little and, and are being sponsored because of that. Like we have to trust if they're being sponsored, it's, Mm-hmm. for a reason they yeah. have some you know they're not able to provide for themselves and we have had students literally band together to pay for other stu- students school who were going to have to drop out or yeah. who were like they've together sponsored wild. they other know students. they know what it's like to be given mm-hmm. this opportunity and they want that for others mm-hmm. and they want like that's they're like 16 years old <laughs> like what 16 year old has that heart you know and mm-hmm. and i think the process of giving is also it's it's heart work it's it's an inward i mean we talked about that forever ago when when we were doing that heart work campaign with the seventh graders like it is a process of learning and i think even in listening to this this podcast like it's 
even sitting here talking to you guys like mm. it's it's working on my heart it's reminding me okay like mm. there are realities i want to be i want to be learning i want to be growing i want to be challenging myself i want to be becoming more like becoming more like jesus and i think a big part of that is sacrificing and giving and mm-hmm. and i think that shapes us and and molds us into the people that we want to be um mm. and i think even going to kenya every year that's a sacrifice you know that's but it's helping me become more the person i want to be and in that i think i've grown a lot i think we've all grown i've seen huge growth in both of you mm-hmm. since we've started doing stuff with the hope venture and i think that mm. it's not easy mm. yeah I like that you said there's like some reality. There's like a reality or some truth out yeah. there that we're all like we're all experiencing or there's that's like flowing and moving and expanding and overflowing from like person to person mm-hmm. of like giving or sacrifice or dying to yourself or, you know, no matter who you are, like there's something that we're all getting like wrapped up in as we like practice that and it like molds us and we go with it and that like flows into the next person and it flows into the students who who give to the beggar on the street or like mm-hmm. you know or they sponsor another student or you know i just think it's so sweet that we get a chance to like like partner in that or like submit to that but like move with it i don't know it's so mm-hmm. cool i like how you said it's a reality mm-hmm. it's like something that i can tangibly see and experience and your story is really cool thanks for thanks. <laughs> thanks for sharing that i know that i mean no that's not an easy story that was like really hard at the time but it's really cool where you are now and what and that's done i'm embarrassed that of my attitude at the beginning mm-hmm. like there's a crumminess to that of like i sucked a little bit you know like i didn't want to give i was selfish i was you know and i think there's humility in admitting like that we've grown i think mm. it's a beautiful thing but it's mm. not easy to yeah. remember that you know and i think that creeps in sometimes there yeah. are definitely times where i'm like I don't really want to go to Kenya this year or I don't really want to give to this or it'd be mm. a heck of a lot easier if we didn't do that. But I think there's so much power in remembrance, mm. which I think what you guys are doing here is so important. Like it's there's power in me remembering these stories too, mm. you know, mm-hmm. continuing to remind myself God provided before he's going to provide again. Mm-hmm. And do you feel like you've grown in the past since like, Oh gosh, since realizing or like witnessing the reality that is, life outside of the Mm -hmm. united states yeah most definitely no yeah for sure i think i mean that's also like the season of life i'm in is growth and i mean from the ages of i guess hopefully hopefully i'm always like that hopefully i'm always growing and changing but i think like especially like ages 20 to 25 and i mean like i'm almost 24 and like (laughs) i just think that's like i'm just experiencing and learning and growing and i'm very lucky to have been a part of the hope venture for a couple of these years here multiple not more than a couple but yeah i don't know yeah i think i've grown and been shaped by that and i think i think the sharing side of it too is always growing too that i can share that with other people and hopefully invite them into it and like i got a chance whenever i was student teaching to have students create like fundraising projects in like a public school system in a class like that's so sweet and i got to mm. see kids like same kind of thing like gave what they had or like at least they started thinking about it and started, I don't know. This is, I think that's all. It's so cool. I think hopefully the people listening to this are those kind of people too. Like people that are in backbone team or donate emails or maybe Mm -hmm. someone new. I don't know. I don't know who's listening to this, but I think that like we're all this, like the story is growing and, and I think, yeah, I've definitely grown, but I don't know how quite to put it into words. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen a lot of growth in you. I think you've, your heart is, has, has softened and grown as I've seen, 
Thank you. you lead and listen and empathize and thanks yeah thanks it's been really cool to have you well dang <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad that we didn't end it a little bit ago i think that story is victoria's story and like the whole venture and I'm yeah glad you were able to share that i'm thanks. glad i didn't didn't leave to go demo a floor so <laughs> caleb did you have any? yeah caleb any more thoughts questions concerns prayer mm. requests concerns this is the time <laughs> oh yeah i have something to say <clears throat> no i i think thanks story for coming on the show and uh the more i think about it the more memories and the more things that i'm like oh mm. like the hope venture has been sh- so like shaped by you and mm. Even like Josh working at Josh has worked at the Hope Venture for was it three years, four years? I I think it's three or four. And like the amount of late nights and like extra hours and mm. just like the 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 generosity that you give with time as well as with money and and I mean the generosity of you are a professional photographer and yet you you know you take photos for the Hope Venture a lot and that's you give your talents for so you're just totally in and that's like mm. in every way so and you're our friend still yeah <laughs> thanks for being still? our friend yeah i don't just like they're all i mean you just are busy there's a lot going on i don't know yeah. thanks for being my friend thanks for being my I'm friend. very honored you guys if if you are if you've made it all the way through uh you should be reminded to go check out oh. uh what was it that we talked about? You should read Tori's story mm-hmm. called Super, Super Susan. Susan. It is on the Hope Ventures blog. Or if you get the e-newsletter, go back through your email, read the story on the e-newsletter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kavita, yeah, Kavita is in the catalog, which you can find on the website. You can just yeah. meander around, find Kavita's story. Also, backbone donors out there, you, I think you got a book. Uh, a photo book in September as a 10 year anniversary tribute. And a lot of Victoria's photos are in there Mm -hmm. and really shows. Yeah. Some amazing photos and portraits and things like that. Uh, also, final plug for Victoria's Instagram. I don't know. Go check out Victoria's yeah. Instagram. At Vic and Josh, separated by periods. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's about it. Wow. Good stuff. Love it. Let's throw let's throw some links in the show notes and, and throw all those up. That'd Sounds be awesome. good. Okay. Cool. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Love you lots. Bye. See you on the next episode. Adios. <laughs>